really appreciate all the songs and music. The choir did such a wonderful job, and Kyle and your special and the music and all the beauty of this celebrated day, the Lord's Day, as we embrace the Christmas season today. I want to ask you to do something I don't normally do. Would you please stand? Everybody please stand. Brother Eddie Bullenow, this exempts you. You stand higher than any of us. I wish I could walk as straight as Ed Bullenow. Would you please stand? I'm going to read the Word of God in your hearing while you're standing for a moment. It has something to do with how I'd like to emphasize what I want to try to say. From the chapter that we're looking at today, from the first chapter of Luke, here's what the Bible says. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abia, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. And they had no child, because that Elizabeth was barren, and they both were now well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went in into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall be he turned to the Lord their God. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zacharias said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife well stricken in years. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God, and am sent to speak unto thee, and to show thee these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb, and not be able to speak, until the day that these things shall be performed, because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak unto them, and they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned unto them and remained speechless. And it came to pass that as soon as the days of the ministration were accomplished, he departed to his own house. And after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and hid herself five months, saying, Thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked on me to take away my reproach among men. Ladies and gentlemen, I just wanted you to stand with me and want you to think about that you have just in your hearing 
heard the very words of God. That's what this book is for. That's what it is. It's a book about God. May the Holy Spirit impress it upon our hearts today to worship Him, to thank Him for it, and endeavor to live and believe it with all our hearts. Would you please be seated? Thank you so much. Today I would like to start a series of messages that I've entitled a supernatural, or rather the, the theme is angelic anthems bringing Christmas spirit. And we're going to be looking at four cases where angels appeared unto here Zacharias today, that's today's lesson, and then also to Mary and, and the shepherds and to Joseph. And so I want us to look at that. I've never endeavored to deal with this myself in a particular study. This is having to do with the supernatural. I believe that Christmas is a supernatural celebration. God is a supernatural God, okay? What supernatural means is that it cannot be explained by nature or science. It, though, is an irresistible force that comes from the outside. It's salvation at best. It is how we understand what we can't understand. And I pray the Lord would help us. Today I want to talk about the subject of a supernatural spirit. As this account from Luke chapter 1 is one of God's ways of bringing a supernatural spirit to prepare us to rejoice as never before in the Lord Jesus Christ. I wanted particularly you to stand with me in the reading of God's Word. Because I wanted you to notice with me the significance of believing God's Word. And to understand that God is simply not going to tolerate unbelief. And you might say, well, you know, preacher, I'm in church. I believe God. I believe that in the church today, I believe that in our culture, I believe that in America, a country that was founded upon the very Word of God, we are in a disbelieving situation. Believing, because not believing, rather, because we're looking at the problems, and we don't really believe God. I believe that lots of times if God answered our prayers, we would certainly be shocked. We pray them just the same. But I want you to see with me the grossness, the malignity of not believing God, of having the audacity to say, how can this be? When God has told you that he saved you by his grace. When God has told you that he'll never leave you nor forsake you. And yet when we look at our problems, we doubt him, we wonder if he can do it, don't we? May God have mercy upon all of us that we will never, ever doubt God again. May the Lord bless you. This supernatural spirit, I said, cannot be explained. It can't. But it is real. And that's my first point I wanted to make, that this is the reality of this supernatural spirit. I appreciate uh, Brother Todd's introducing angels in the children's service this morning. I trust that we all got something out of it. Luke, in his gospel, introduces his beloved gospel, which deals so much with the foundation of our Christmas faith, our Christian faith, and our Christmas faith, uh, having to do with 
John the Baptist here and then the birth of the Lord Jesus later on and uh, how all that came about. But he introduces it with an angel. He introduces it with the supernatural. Um, so I want us to see the reality of this supernatural spirit of Christmas. Now angels are created beings by God. They are not omnipresent like God is in the Trinity. They are not. They are created beings made by God. They, though, are certainly an example for us. I'll tell you why. An angel is sinless. That is the elect angels. Now, there's two categories of angels. There's the elect angels. Those angels were prevented from falling. The non-elect angels all fell. Same way with God's salvation. You were saved because God has elected you. If you were not elected, you would not be saved. Does it matter whether you believe in election or not? That, my friends, is how it is. These elect angels were created by God for a purpose. They were messengers of God, just like we just read, this angel to Zacharias. But it's God's word that he was saying. It's true, we don't uh, worship angels. I'm not trying to talk about Gnosticism. I'm not trying to portray uh, uh, visiting angels or uh, what's the show? There's an angel show on TV. Has no theology at all. Just man-made deal. No, I'm talking about God's angels. They appeared in reality. The word angel in the Bible, in the New Testament, angelus, is used more in the New Testament than the word for sin or the word for love. In the Bible in general, there's 108 references in the Old Testament the angel, to angels. There's 165 references to angels in the New Testament. So I want you to see the, re the revelation or the, the, um, the uh, authentication of angels or the reality of it and to know that they're real beings. Now, they don't often appear physically. They don't. Um, I say the supernatural. Uh, there's a supernatural de demonic reality too. You understand that? Satan is a fallen angel, but demons is, are real in this world today. But the good outweighs the bad. Angels appear at certain times physically. They appear in human form at times. They did to Abraham. You remember when uh, Sarah and he was having a little trouble with wondering what God was going to bring, how he's going to bring them a son. You remember Lot when he went down into Sodom and that some angels came to deliver him. And the place was such a wretched mess that the people were involved in sodomy to the extent that they wanted to have a, a sodomic relationship with the angels. They were humans. They were. And so we see that. We see times they're in spirit form. We find in the New Testament that we're to have angels as ministering spirits to all of us. I believe, too, in, in um, guardian angels. I'm so ashamed of my, that, that, that I have grieved my guardian angel so. He must be, or she, or whoever. No, they don't have a, they don't have a gender, do they? But, 
But that angel, my guardian angel, has to be so embarrassed about me and things I've done in my life. I believe that angels, according to 1 Corinthians, are interested in the church. I believe they're with us today. I trust they are in their spirit form. I believe that we need to understand that and bless God and thank Him for it in our ways, in our lives. Uh, and there's been accounts of people that having visions of angels. And you know, Hebrews 13 reminds us, be careful how you entertain strangers, for some have entertained angels unawares. That's true. Something for us to think about, certainly so much. I was reading there was a missionary, this wife, in the Hebrides, Hebrides Island years ago, who were surrounded, their hut, by native uh, people that were hostile. And they, and this would account by Mr. Patton himself, and he said, we just knew we were going to die. We were praying. And for some reason, they did not. And uh, a couple years later, there was a chief of, of that native region that was converted to Christianity that was at a meeting where John Patton was holding a, a council of Christianity. And he gave the account, and he come to say, you know, I was there around your hut. And John Patton said, well, why didn't you kill us? You could have. He said, well, I want you to tell me something. Who were all those men that were standing there with bright clothing? Who were they? Because we were not going to touch it. We could not penetrate them. You know, they were angels. I remembered a few years ago, I was over in Fitzgerald, Georgia, in a preaching situation, and during the break, a guy took me down just to look at the countryside. And he took me down to the river, and he said, you know, when I was growing up, this man was probably in his early 80s, he said, we used to come here for our family reunions. And he took me down to the landing, and the river made a bend just down the way, and he said, you know, I was down here with my family one Sunday at a reunion. I was about eight years old, and I couldn't swim, and all the people were in the water. They had sandbars and said, I got too far on the sandbar off the other side, and the river swept me down, downstream. And he said, I didn't know what to do. I remember going down in the water. I remember my little life going before me. And he said, just see that bend. He said, just around that bend. There was a man standing on the corner, on the shore. He said, I remember he had a straw hat on. And he reached down and he picked me up. And he put me on that shore. And I walked back to my family. And he said, nobody knows where that man was, how he'd been there, or who he was. I believe that was an angel. I believe God deals with our lives like that in our lives. And we need to thank God for it so much. So we see the reality of it. We see the angels so much in Jesus' life. We see here that he's proclaiming John the Baptist's birth. We see the angels encountering Mary. We see them at uh, Jesus' birth with the shepherds in Bethlehem. We see him at his resurrection. You remember, they're the ones that tell the Mary, he's not here, he's risen. And the thing about angels that is so amazing and how they, we need to think that they're a good example for us is this. 
The Bible says they rejoice over one sinner that repenteth. Yet, angels know nothing about redemption. They're rejoicing at things they can't embrace. And that's amazing. You know, we need to see that as an example so that we would be more inclined to rejoice when people are blessed in a way that we're not, rather than be envious or jealous of them. Well, angels can't do that. And yet in 1 Peter 1, chapter, chapter 1, verse 12, they said the angels desire to look into these things. So there's a different being there. But they're real figures, beings in God's economy. And he uses them to make a point, and he does to Zechariah. So I want you to see, first of all, the reality. Now, we don't see the angels manifest at Christ's death. We do do at his ascension, and we will at his return. Angels are going to be, be a part of the judgment upon this earth as they open up the vials of the seven seals at the end times. But on the cross, you don't see angels, but they were there. Matthew 26, 53, that Jesus says this, Do you not know that I could pray to my Father and he could send 12 legions of angels to deliver me? But he didn't. Why? Because of you and his love for you, he was going to deliver you. So we see this. So I want you to see the reality of it. This angel comes. Secondly, I want you to see the reading, this supernatural reading. This book is supernatural. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's not man-made. And so it is a book of God. It's also, I want you to see that you are a favored people, just like Zacharias in a lot of ways. Maybe not in the same way, but you are favored. If you have a feeling that you have felt the guilt of sin in your life, you rejoice in that. You thank God that you have been convicted of sin. If you are in a struggle in your life, if you're somewhere where you don't think you're going to, I can't see how you're going to make it, you know what? That is how God does his best work. Understand that you may be the only Bible people read. And it's important how you respond to the situations and challenges that God puts in your life. I want you to know that this book is supernatural. I want you to know that every time you pray, that is in a sense a reading of your heart. It is a supernatural venture because you are talking to the creator of the universe. God Almighty. That's what prayers are about. Zacharias and Elizabeth prayed. They prayed, and Zacharias, though, was to pray for Israel. Obviously, in their days, they had prayed for a child. I imagine by now, in their old age, they were just praying that God would help them be reconciled to the situation of not having children. I wonder how many of us have prayed fervent prayers for divine uh, interference or deliverance in a situation. But we've come to the conclusion that maybe it's not going to happen. That's when God does so much that we don't understand because he's supernatural. So what happens, Zacharias and Elizabeth have prayed and as he lifts up this incense on behalf of the people of Israel, God says, I'm going to send you a son. Here's the multifacetedness of God's amazing grace. Why it's so supernatural. They wanted a son. God was going to give them a son, but that son was going to be used to deliver God's people. 
My, my friends, I want you to know, as a favored child of God, you have been given God's spirit. You have been given that just maybe to use in a way that God will use your life, your testimony in a conversion of others. Not that you can do it on your own power, but God, just like with John the Baptist, would use this man to deal with a people that had neglected God. They were under the Roman yoke. It was a very, very tough situation, far worse than we are in America today. And yet, what happened thirdly? The response of Zacharias. He doubted God. God is a God that does not put up with unbelief. When we do not believe God, there are consequences. Zacharias was dumb. He could not speak for nine months because he doubted God. I believe in the world today, multitudes of Christians, we have a tendency to doubt God. And you know what's happened? We do not have a voice. We go to church, but we don't really enjoy it. We go through the motions of life and of marriage and of work, but we're not rejoicing. Why? Because that has to come from God. It's supernatural. And God says this, if you regard iniquity in your heart, I will not hear you. You know what? When we doubt God, that is the worst iniquity we can have in our heart. I believe it's worse than adultery. I believe it's worse than lying and cheating and stealing and addictions. Just simply not believing God. And so Zacharias' response is this, I can't. I can't do it. You know what? Can't never done anything. He says, I'm too old. Zechariah says, are you kidding me? I'm, Zach- I'm Gabriel, the archangel of God. Are we kidding God to think that just because we see our situation in a dilemma that we can't do it? My goodness, friends, you need to take a better think. We're going to say, Gabriel said, what do you mean? I don't care where you old or young. This is what God said he's going to do. And furthermore, Zacharias didn't say, well, since you don't believe it, I guess we just won't do it. You know, because you believe or disbelieve, it's not going to make a difference what God does. It's not God, it's God. And he says, my word shall not come away void. God is serious, he's powerful. And so our response is so important in that way. So I want to ask you, these clouds in your life, are you saying, well, I can't. I don't see how it's going to happen. I'm going to tell you what. You be careful with that. Be careful. We see the response. You know, we see here that John the Baptist responded to God in the mother's womb. That should say something to our world and our culture regarding abortion, you know it teaches us, God does, that it's, it's more. A life in a mother's womb is more than just a mass of protoplasm. It is living. And God's man, John the Baptist, was going to come and he rejoiced before he was ever born. I ought to teach you something. I'm just saying, God is serious about believing God. You think people believe God? If we really believe God, they would churches be full everywhere. If we really believe God, we'd change our lifestyle on Sundays in particular. We don't believe God. 
We believe that, that we can take it or leave it. We don't believe in any consequences. And right now, I'm afraid the United States of America is under the very judgment of God because, not because we don't have education or religion, we have bigger churches than we ever had before. We have more knowledge, more media. But what we don't have is enough God. Enough just sheer, flat believing in the blessings of God, the raw God, whether it's good, bad, or not. If God said it, we believe it. That's how it ought to be. You know, I saw a bumper sticker the other day that says, God said it. That settles it. I believe it. You need to take out that middle phrase. Doesn't matter if it settles it or not. Doesn't matter if it settled with you or not. What matters is if God said it. It ought to be, it ought to read, you ought to put a bumper sticker out there. You need to say, God said it. I believe it. Now, this book is about God. This is what God said. It is supernatural. And we need to believe it. And it's time to go. But what is your response? Do we have the audacity to question God about anything? I wonder. Don't expect no consequences. I just want to close by understanding this, the supernatural part of righteousness. Here's how it is. There's only two people in the world, kinds of people, the just and the unjust. The just are people that believe. Belief is supernatural. It comes from God. And God says, if you believe, he counts it for righteousness. What righteousness is that? It's the righteousness of God's justifying work on the cross by Jesus Christ dying for your sins. It's not about who you are or what you can do or have done. It's about simply sitting down, looking up, and saying, I believe you, God. I don't understand it, God. I can't figure it out, but I believe you. And God said, I count that for righteousness. Whose righteousness? Supernatural righteousness. From an outside source, Jesus Christ is righteousness. That's who it is. Abraham, in Genesis 15, was called to go to a place he'd never been. And he went, and God counted it as righteousness. In Genesis 22, he was called to offer his son Isaac on the altar. But he'd already been counted righteousness. God wasn't trying to say if he's going to save him or not or what he could do. Righteousness is supernatural. But it's believing God. Now, if you don't believe God, you are unjust. That's right. Either way. That's how it is. You either believe God or you don't believe God. But I'm going to tell you, friends, if there's a part of your heart or any part of your heart, what we need to say is cry out, Oh, God, increase my faith. This Christmas, Lord, give me a supernatural spirit that I know, God, I can't do it. Don't let me look at my life and say, I've messed up. My mama is divorced, or I'm divorced, or, or I had this happen, or that happen. God doesn't, that doesn't matter to God. When God is saying, I'm going to do this, this is what's going to happen. And Jesus Christ, Zach, Zacharias was right on the threshold of the gospel being introduced. He was, by John the Baptist. And yet, his righteousness, he said he was blameless, he and his wife. 
Doesn't mean he wasn't per he was sinless. It doesn't mean he wasn't he was sinless. I imagine we put a microscope, we can find something in his life. It means though that that he was about a situation where he believed God until that challenge came and his faith just went away. His righteousness ended then in his own self. But he learned a lesson. I pray that we can too. May the Lord bless you. You know, I had a, I had a work uh, years ago. I was doing some forestry work. And uh, I was going to do this guy asked me to do some work. This is a pretty good job, you know, and I was going to kind of got interested. So the guy told me, a guy, another guy that I knew in the business said, you better be careful. He said, I don't know if that guy's going to pay you or not. So you be careful. You get something in writing. So I got to thinking about it. You know, there's going to be a lot of time to deal with that. So what I'm saying is you got to consider the source because when somebody tells you something, you know, I can't believe everything you say, nor you me. You know why? Because I've lived long enough to be lied to, haven't you? People will lie to you. But when is the last time God has ever lied to you? Can you think of any? No, God's not going to lie to you. But I remember that, that account, and that guy, I finally called him. I said, you know, would you mind just giving me a, a deposit? And that guy said, you don't think I'm going to pay you, do you? I said, well, I don't know. I, I'm just, I said, I don't want to end up in a situation that's going to be awkward for us both and something like that. You know, you try to smooth things over. But I didn't do the work. I'm glad I didn't. But, but I'm saying, I'm saying the integrity of God cannot be questioned. And may God help us to believe him. You want to have a Christmas that you celebrate the birth of Christ, you believe God. But it's got to be supernatural belief. That is the spirit of Christmas. Don't let your problems, your mess-ups, your situation, your doom and gloom fold into your life a situation where you're not rejoicing because God is saying, I can't do it. Don't you think that he's turned his back on you? He hasn't. He hasn't. He loves you. May the Lord bless you. Would you bear with me? Lord, we thank you for your supernatural salvation by grace. We thank you, Lord, for the angels, your ministering spirits. We thank you, Lord, for your holy word. Oh, God, help us to believe this book. Help us, Lord, to see the example that you show us through Zacharias, a preacher, a prophet, uh, a, whether a priest. Yet, oh, God, his influence he was a leader, so to speak, and he denied believing you to the fullest. May us, Lord, as children, as parents, know that what we believe affects our children, and you will hold us accountable, oh God. There is not no consequences when we disbelieve you. Oh Lord, we believe. Please help our unbelief. It's the only way we can celebrate your blessed supernatural birth. In Jesus' name, amen.